Let's hold our Bibles in our hands and make this confession together. I thank you, Father, that your word has the power to change my life. Today, I give heed to it. I allow it to go into my ears, then into my mind, and then into my spirit. I'm a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, and I'll never be the same after today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we see names of Jesus that are written there. <coughs> Pardon me. And in Scripture, names are used to describe the nature and characteristics of people. I'm going to do a short review for about five minutes for those of you who may have missed the message uh, beginning last week where we talked about names. In our Western culture, we simply choose names because we like the sound of them or because they're trendy. But so often, I'm, I'm so interested in names, and I, every place I go and I hear an interesting name, wow, that's a great name. And I ask people, so what does that name mean? Most people don't know. They don't have a clue. I don't know. My mom just, my dad just named me that. But in Bible times, it wasn't like that. People were named because of characteristics that were either seen in them, characteristics that their parents wanted to see in them, or characteristics about their environment that could happen in their lives. And God even changed people's names when the person's characteristics or, nat uh, or nature changed. Last week we talked about Abram's name, which means exalted father was changed to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Jacob's name, which means deceitful, was changed to Israel, which means one who prevails. And even in the New Testament, Simon's name, which means a pebble, was changed to Peter, which means a rock. In Scripture, God revealed his name, his names, plural, to people, rather than allowing people to come up with names for him because he wanted to reveal his character. And his nature to us. Because of the depth of God's character, he has various names that reflect the ways that he relates to us. And last week we talked about Elohim that reveals him as the all-powerful creator. Jehovah Rapha reveals him as our Lord and healer. Jehovah Shalom reveals him as the Lord our peace. Jehovah Yerid reveals God as the Lord our provider. In fact, God has a name for every situation that we deal with, every situation that we're going through. God not only has what we need, God is who we need. This is one of the reasons why God has these names and wants to be called by these names is because God wants us to seek him, not just what he has. This Christmas, don't you love it when your kids love you for who you are rather than what you're going to buy for them? It's the same way with God. God wants us to love him for who he is, not just for what he can do for us. And so the names of God not only reveal what God can do, but also who he is. This season, this Christmas season, we want to identify, we have identified the names of Jesus that are particularly expressed during the Christmas season. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Those are the three we talked about last week. Everlasting Father. And Prince of Peace. 
Last week we talked about wonderful, something astounding that causes a feeling or attitude of intense amazement. And we never want to lose our amazement and our fascination for the greatness and the power of God. We talked about him as counselor, the one who directs our actions and our thoughts. And we talked about him as the mighty God, El Gibor in Hebrew, the powerful God, the God having military force. So today we want to start talking about these other names. First of all, Everlasting Father. Our Everlasting Father. The word, ever, the uh, name of God, Everlasting Father, comes from two Hebrew words. The Hebrew word ad, A-D, which means the continuous existence without beginning or end. And the word father here is the Hebrew word ab, which means the head, founder, or organization of a household group or clan, the originator of a household group or clan. First of all, this name reveals to us that Jesus is eternal. Actually, eternal. It says everlasting father in the New King James that I'm using, but actually a better word would be eternal. Everlasting indicates that something could start today as long as it never ends. That would be everlasting. But eternal means that it has no beginning and no end, but has always been. And if you want something to really keep you up at night, go to bed tonight, lay your head on the pillow, and begin to meditate on the fact that Jesus has always been. Think back a trillion years. Jesus was before that. Think back a million trillion years years. Jesus was before that. He has no beginning and he has no end. end. In other words, a million, billion, trillion years from now, Jesus will still exist, will still be. He's the eternal God. Jesus is the eternal originator of our future. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is John's uh, Christmas story. Actually, we, I did that uh, one year. I talked about John's Christmas story because Matthew talks about Mary and Joseph and the wise men. Luke talks about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. But John's Christmas story in John chapter 1 at the very beginning starts out like this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He created everything and nothing that was created was created without him. He was the light of men. This is how John begins his Christmas story. And then in verse 14, he says, And the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then verse 14 says, And uh, the Word became flesh. Talking about the Word then becoming flesh. The Word is Jesus. When John, in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything was made by Him. He's talking about Jesus Christ. That Jesus was the creator of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 1. Jesus has always been. He is the creator of the universe, including the earth and the atmosphere that we see around us. And the reason this is really significant is that we also see that He is Ab, the head of founder and originator of the household of God. Jesus is the eternal originator of our future and always planned to eternally stay connected to us. Mankind has not, from the beginning, stayed connected to God. Adam and Eve rebelled 
The very first, you would, have, you would have thought we could have gotten through at least three or four generations before man rebelled. But the very, very first generation on the earth rebelled against God. And yet God wanted to stay connected to us. So whatever you're dealing with in your life, I want to say this to you. God will never abandon you. God will never abandon you. Sometimes we don't feel very close to God. You ever gone through a time like that in your life? I don't feel very close to God. But I'm reminded of the story of the elderly man and woman who were driving down the road in their old sedan. You know, sedans years ago, how many of you remember the cars that had one bench seat all the way across? Cars used to be like that. You used to have to pay extra to get bucket seats. In college, we used to call those birth control seats. I'll let you figure that out. But they used to be, uh, there used to be bucket seats. But before that, all the cars, they came with this bench seat all the way across. And so this, this elderly man and woman are driving down the road, and he's driving, and she's sitting all the way over next to the window, looking out the window, and she's reminiscing, and she's saying, I remember years ago when we used to sit close together in the car when we rode, and I'd ride with my arm around you. It was so romantic. And he looked over and he said, I'm not the one that moved. <laughs> Sometimes we don't feel close to God and we wonder, so where is he? Why does God feel so far away? But I want to tell you, God is as close to you as your next breath. And it's not him that moved. But we find ourselves far from God sometimes. So whatever you're dealing with in your life, God will never abandon you. So the real question is, how close are you to God? Not how close is God to you. He's in the very air you breathe. The question is, how close are you to him? I also want to say this, no matter what kind of father you have, or no matter what kind of father you have had, and what kind of Christmas memories you may be dealing with. Psalm chapter 68 verse 5 says that he is a father to the fatherless. He will never abandon you. I, I know I'm reading more and more every year about, you know, Christmas time is not a happy time for everybody because there are people that go through a hard time and people that have had challenging times in their family and they don't have Christmas memories. And I, I certainly understand and, and am sympathetic and, and, uh, and want you to... to to feel blessed by this message. But I want to say to you that God can be so real to you that you actually know and understand in your heart that you have a father. He will never abandon you. Your earthly father, no matter how great he was or no matter how great he was not, can never compare to your heavenly father. He is our eternal father. Everybody say eternal father. Then the Bible says that he's our prince of peace. The word peace, you may have heard of this. Many of you are familiar with the word shalom. Many of us, you can go to a jewelry store and you see pieces of jewelry that have shalom written on them. And shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And it means three things here. It means, first of all, completeness. Complete. Second of all, it means the complete collection is together. I like that. Shalom means the complete collection is together. And thirdly, shalom means freedom from danger and disease. That's what the literal Hebrew word means. And when we think about completeness, 
We think about everything in my life is as it should be, and I have everything that I need for a complete life. Second of all, when we think that the complete collection is together, I want you to think of a puzzle that has all the pieces. There's nothing more frustrating than opening a thousand-piece puzzle, putting it together, only to find out it's missing three pieces. In Luke chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus tells the parable of the lost coin. He says, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? He's asking a question here. He doesn't say that's wrong or right. He's asking the question, what woman would do that? What woman, having lost one coin, still having nine? You know, there are some of us here that would read that and go, well, she's got nine. So is it really a big deal? She lost one, okay. I lost my wedding band this week. Again. I have, over the course of our marriage, lost four. I, I, uh, I can't sleep in them, and I can't if I'm working outside. I can't work in them, and I can't sleep in them. So I'm always taking them off, and I'm always trying to, because they're expensive. I'm always trying to be careful not to lose them, but I have lost four. <clears throat> I, I actually had a spare because, <laughs> because the last one I lost, I bought one and then found the other one. So the other one was in the safe, and so I lost this one. And, but, you know, and everybody's going, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? They were really concerned about all the women hitting on me, I understand, without a wedding band on. So I bought, so I, I had one in the safe, so that's the one that I have on. And so I'm going to be honest with you, I mean, they're, they're kind of expensive. I hate going out and buying gold rings. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I, can I just, I'm just going to be real transparent. I didn't sweat it too much. Because I knew I've got another one. I want it. I looked everywhere. I mean, Connie, Connie helped me look. You know, and then I thought maybe I left it here because sometimes I take it off when I pray in here I, or different. You know, so I'm looking everywhere. And finally, I just told Connie I have exhausted every place that ring could be. So I got the one out of the safe. So I have one. And it's all good. And I didn't sweat it. But Jesus is asking a question. What woman, having ten coins, if she loses one, is not going to go back and look for it? She's got nine more, and there are some of us, some of us, who would think, I got nine, I lost one. I looked for it, didn't really find it. But Jesus says, what woman, having lost one of the ten coins, he didn't say she'll look for it. He didn't say she'll give it her best shot. He says in this parable, what woman will look for it until she finds it? I did not look for my lost wedding band until I found it. I looked for it until I was tired of looking for it, and I looked everywhere that I thought it could be, and then I just went and got another one. But Jesus says there are those who, even though they have nine, they're still going to look for the one until they find it because it's a collection. Peace. 
Shalom means the complete collection is together. All the pieces of the puzzle are there. And you put together the thousand piece puzzle and you have the one left that goes in the one hole and it fits and you have all of the pieces. Jesus is the prince of peace. And the peace that is in him is in us. If he is in us, then his peace is in us. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says, To them God willed to make it known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Knowing about Christ is not our hope. Christ in us is our hope and our peace. Christ in us is our completeness. When Christ is in us, our whole world is complete. It may not look, I know we can look out through our cranial cavity, through our eyes, and we can see, I wish that, we need to fix that, and that's not going according to plan. But listen, when Christ lives in us, it's all going to work out for our good. It's all going to work out. We just got to be patient. The completeness is there. The pieces of the puzzle that are our life all come together because the Prince of Peace lives in us. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, we have the account of Jesus calming the storm. Let me read this to you. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the storm asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I love teaching on this passage. I could teach on this for hours. But I want to get to the one, this one thing where Jesus arose, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Shalom. Completeness. The collection is together. We are free from disease. And most important here, we're free from danger. And when Jesus spoke that one word, shalom, the Bible says, the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Um, this makes a good, a great message to talk about. If Jesus is in your boat, Jesus will always calm your storms. Doesn't that sound like a great message? But it's not right. Because Jesus did it, and he didn't say, see how great I am? Jesus did it. He calmed the storm. He said, shalom. And then he said, how come you guys didn't do this? You woke me up? To calm the storm. Where's your faith? Why didn't you do it? Actually, because Christ lives on the inside of you and his word is in your mouth, you can speak to your own storms. I'm not saying that we, that we are victorious in life without Christ. I'm saying because Christ is in us, we can speak to our own storms and say, Shalom. Everybody say that, Shalom. Shalom means my life is complete. Shalom means that all the parts of the co collection are together. Shalom means that I am free from danger and disease. Shalom, peace. 
Mark eleven twenty three says, If you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. Why? Because Christ is in us and his word is in our mouth. Because he can live in you, he can work through you. Oh, that's tweetable. Because he is in you, he can work through you. And this is the thrill of the Christian life. The thrill of the Christian life is not that just that we get to come to church and church is a spectator sport and we get to watch the show, the music, and listen to a message. And that's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is that God can work through you when he's in you. Thirdly, those are all the names of God in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I want to talk about wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But then I want to pull one more name out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that's also quoted in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, in the Christmas story, and that is the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God is with us. He is God. Because he's God, he doesn't love us because he has to. I mean, you know, God doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. Is that too deep? God doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. So he doesn't love us because he has to. He loves us because he wants to. And he's wanted to be with us from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, it says that God enjoyed walking in the Garden of Eden with people just like us. We sing a song here. Uh, I don't, are we singing What a Beautiful Name today? Is that on the song list? Tonight at, uh, tonight at the candlelight service, we're going to sing What a Beautiful Name. It's, this song has just kind of taken root in this church. We're, we're singing it a lot, and I love it. And we, actually, I've quoted from it during my messages a lot. And one of the lines in there says, You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. He wants to be with us, Emmanuel. This is the, the baby in the manger, the whole story of the baby in the manger. Why would God do that? Why couldn't God just redeem mankind and fix this whole sin thing? Why did he have to come to earth, born as a baby in a manger, live on this earth with knotheads like us, die on the cross, raise from the dead? Why didn't he fix it from up there? Because he wanted to be with us. A true friend, someone who cares about you, doesn't just send their love during a challenging time. They want to go through it with you. And they want to experience the victory with you. And they want to experience the victory with you. I I have a low tolerance for drama. I'm sorry, I just have a low tolerance for drama. Now, don't get me wrong, I'll cry with anybody as long as there is a victory at the end. And there will be, if you'll stand strong and you'll stand on the word, listen, I'll cry with you, we'll weep together, we'll, we'll quote the scriptures with tears, I'll do all that as long as you're committed to seeing that through to victory. But if it's just a drama party, 
Let's cry because we can. I just, I'm not into that. I just, I can't do, I'll send, uh, there are, we got other people in the church that love that. I'll send them to you. <laughs> they'll, they'll do that with you. I'm, I'm, I won't do that. But, but a true friend, somebody that cares about you doesn't just send their uh, love during, I uh, sending my love, you know, <laughs> I get a big kick out of the social media thing where people, but you know, I'm sending, uh, I'm sending, uh, uh, I'm sending nice thoughts. I don't want nice thoughts. I want you to pray. <laughs> but a true friend will go past that. And they don't just send their love during a challenging time. They want to go through it with you. And they want to experience the victory that you experience. And so God loves us so much that he didn't just want to send us nice thoughts. He didn't just want to send us deliverance he wanted to be our deliverance he wanted to be our deliverer he wanted to be in this with us just think of what glory is like and god the father and jesus the son and the holy spirit and just heaven you know you just read through the book of revelation and go heaven is an amazing place what in the world is jesus doing down here with us and it's because he loves us so much that he wants to do it. He wants to walk through life with us. He wanted to be our deliverer, not send a deliverer. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love that verse. Times of refreshing come from God's presence. This is why I love our worship service. I love just spending time alone with God because that's refreshing. This is a word that we need to hear at Christmas time because I'm seeing a lot on social media about how stressed you are. I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands. I'm just going to ask how stressed are you? Somebody posted on Facebook, does Christmas really have to be like this? My answer to that would be yes, because I love it. It's busy. There's lots of cars. There are lines. There, you know, I don't, I don't like lines except at Christmas time. I, I like crowds of people. I just, I love Christmas and everything about it. The thing is that when God is your peace and times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, it doesn't have to be uh, stressful. Just relax and enjoy the season. Just relax and enjoy it. You're not going to get through the line any faster by being irritated. The line of cars is not going to go any faster by honking your horn. In fact, if you're behind me and you honk your horn, I'm going slower. <laughs> our service is going to continue as the worship team comes and and i just want to lead you in a confession i want to ask everybody to stand the service is not over we're going to worship 
And I want you just to experience the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the anointing of God, and allow the songs and the atmosphere to permeate your heart. Say this after me. Father, you're wonderful. Jesus, you're wonderful. You're my counselor. You are the mighty God. You're my eternal Father, and you will never abandon me. You're my Prince of Peace. And because you live inside me, I speak to the storms in my life, and I say shalom, peace, storm be still. Your presence is the most important thing in my life. Times of refreshing in my life come from your presence. Let's allow the worship team to lead us into the presence of God and let's experience a time of refreshing.